Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the f What the f gives you freedom? Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future. If you can't say it, you can't do it. Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. For the foreseeable future, I'm going to dispense with the introduction comments because I've got quite a few interviews in the can and what seems to take a lot of my time in addition to doing the interviews is putting together some thoughts to share with you before the actual content of the interviews. So I'm going to dispense with that over the next few weeks. You're going to hear the introduction and then we're going to go directly into the interview. Now I'll probably put a quick ad in the middle, but other than that, I'm just going to get right into the interviews. So this will be the last time for maybe a month or so that you hear me <laughs> really make any comments uh, because I've got quite a few interviews already in the can and quite a few lined up. So I've got some good content out there for you to listen to. And you really don't want to listen to me that much anyway, but I do want to encourage <laughs> at least some support from the audience by buying some of my bundled products. I don't really make any money on this podcast other than that. And uh, it takes a lot of time. So, all right. One thing I did want to point out before we get on to today's interview is Neil Fletcher's put together a video of part of his adventures on the boat this summer. He did a great job. It's at the website. Go check it out. It's in the post before this one. Just go look at the post, the blog posts. And it's he did a really good job on it. And this is the first part of a two-part video series that he's put together. And I wanted to share that with you. So with this brief introduction out of the way, let's get on to today's interview. I'm back with Dan Culpepper. This is part three. And I don't know if we'll get done today. We may go to a part four. It just depends on how far we make it through the Mediterranean. Dan, thanks for making the time to come back again. I've had a lot of good reviews for the, our discussions, and you were telling me just before we got on the, uh, before I started the recorder, that you'd got you'd communicated with one of the listeners as well. Go ahead on that. Oh, a guy named Mark gave me a call, and uh, and we uh, we just talked for a little while. He's he has he has a plan for uh, two and a half years from now to do something with his uh, uh, wife and kids, and and it sounds uh, very exciting. So. Yeah, he just picked my brain about uh, boats and various issues like that. He's looking at a at a B fifty, the Beneteau fifty that I have, and so I I was able to fill him in on some details. And uh, yeah, uh, it, it's exciting. It's exciting to talk to people who who uh, have that plan. You know, and, Jack Andrews, the guy that went one of the two people who went sailing with me, Neil and Jack on, on the one crew that where we Neil put out the video on. Jack uh, is coveting that uh, Beneteau fifty one as well. <laughs> so one, every time one had come into the the, har, the dock, he'd be over there looking at it and say, "That's that's the one I want. That's the one I want. I don't know if I can afford it though, but that's the one I want." So well, it's it's worked out well for us. I mean, the the, the design and the setup. Uh, you know, listen, everything's a compromise. Uh, the the boat I had before the uh, the Pearson thirty five, 
had it was a lot more uh, for a sailor or for for a seaman. It was a lot it had a lot more uh, storage compartments uh, that are for uh, you know line and fenders, et cetera, et cetera. The, the French and the Beneteau have really maximized the interior space. Uh, for obvious reasons, uh, you get down below, and it's 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 very pleasant. And I've actually converted the front cabin that that has a uh, upper and lower berths, and used to have a head which I took out, didn't have a holding tank, it has a little sink there. But th- I've converted that into basically a tool room, and uh, and that's what Mark was asking about because he has a, a couple sons and a daughter, and the idea that they should have their own cabin, and whether boys would like that. That forward cabin, I was, yeah, I would have loved that when I was a kid. Uh, it, it's very cool. But mine's filled with tools, obviously. I have a lot of stuff in there and places to put fenders, uh, things that at boat shows you don't necessarily think about. But you collect a lot of crap on the boat, and, it's, uh, and a lot of it's necessary. You have to put it someplace, and you have to clear the decks when you're at sea. And it's different when you're, if you're going along the coast and coastal sailing. But if you're going to go out and, and sail across an ocean, you're going to have to make sure the boat is... Uh, especially the decks are as clear as you can really get them. So yeah, and la- and the last time we were talking, you said you you took your anchor off and put it down below when you were doing your transatlantic, and I, I think that's a smart thing to do. We did that as well, and it's a bit of a pain to do it, but you only have to take it down once, and then finally when you hit land again, you have to take it out and get it ready again. So it's not that big a deal, and and then it's out of the way, and you've got a a tighter deck that way, I think. Exactly. I mean, our first, the first leg when we left from Stamford and went through New York Harbor on the way out, I tend to like to, especially going out uh, the harbor in Stamford and then going into any area like uh, going through uh, Hellgate in New York, going down the East River, there are some choke points there. And, and for safety's sake, uh, seamanship's sake, I always leave the anchor. I want to have the anchor as my um, safety issue. I want to be able to drop the anchor if I need to. Uh, if for some reason the boat is out of control or something happens, uh, so we had the anchor there. But of course, the next stop was going to be Bermuda. It was not a good choice. I mean, I should have stowed the anchor when I was safely back at the dock. So and so, I did have the anchor for that first leg and regretted it tremendously, even though it was lashed down very very tightly with several lines, a chain connected to it also. Uh, with the seas that we were getting on that first leg out running that storm, we were uh, bashing into it, and that gave just a little play of a few inches. But that's all—that's all it needs. And uh, it's a pretty big—it's a—it's it, a Rockna, 88-pound Rockna, uh, so a 40-kilo uh, Rockna. Well, that's a big which is, anchor, yeah. Which is a great anchor. It, it's just been terrific. We only dragged once, and and that was just. Over grass, but besides that, you can sleep very well with 88 pounds down on the uh, on the bottom. And uh, but it, if it got loose, which it did, a few inches, it bang, bang, banged. And that's uh, a lot of weight banging up and down too. It's a lot of weight, and so we stowed it. And absolutely, you're right. Uh, taking that off was was terrific. We didn't need it through the Azores because uh, very few places to anchor there, and uh, very deep too. So we ended up, uh, yeah. Anyway. All right. right. So the last time we left off, you had got over to Menorca, mm-hmm. and you'd stay at that little Kaya. And I'm and I'm I've got Google Earth up, and I've got your track up, so I'm following your track as we talk, talk. And so from there, it looks like you had a long haul. So let's start from 
Menorca. You didn't go into the main town of Mao Menorco or Mahone, I guess is how a lot of people yep, pronounce Mahone, it. Mahone, yeah, we which, did not. Which is too bad because, you know, every Patrick O'Brien book you read is going to talk about that harbor. <laughs> That's <so>. exactly right. <laughs> yep, yep. That, that, we did not uh, go in there. I know it was big with the British Navy, but we we had to move along. I mean, we're, again, getting to Italy. Uh, we discussed that before. Just the, the, the timetable... Uh, we wanted to spend time in Sardinia, and of uh, course, if we could, but definitely Sardinia. Okay, so so you had a long haul. So was that an overnight, two over just, two nights? Yeah, just just an overnight. Okay. It was just an overnight from um, from Menorca to what we thought was going to be. Yeah, I, I stretched these overnights, Franz. I, I might have explained that before. I mean, the rule, as I explained before, was uh, one overnight. I, I was allowed to be at sea. Uh, with my wife and kids uh, for just one overnight of sailing. So that, of course, means that I can get up at 3 a.m. the day I'm going to leave, stretch it out as far as I possibly can, and go till just about sunset on the following day. So I, I really maximized uh, my part of the uh, deal here. So, uh, yeah, I, I up-anchored or at that point we just uh, cast off very, very early before the sun rose. And they were asleep, and then they would tend to wake up a few hours later as we were we were on our road on the road. So, yeah, we could get some good miles. Uh, we get a little over two hundred miles, whatever it was, to to get into uh, Sardinia. And uh, okay, and it looks like it can, you came in. So, so where was your first stop in Sardinia? And well, we thought it was going to be uh, Stintino. That's where we were intending to to go, but instead. I, I figured that I had to uh, clear in at some point into Italy. Now, at this point, we were uh, – I forget if I mentioned all the, the – you've brought this up before on, on previous podcasts I've heard of, uh, of just the whole, the whole EU situation and going from country to country. And our issue was that we were uh, – we had cleared into Spain, first Portugal, obviously, in the Azores, then into Spain. So as far as we were concerned and the boat was concerned, we were in Spain. Uh, you know, Gibraltar doesn't uh, stamp passports, and then uh, so we were we were Spanish boat coming from Spain into Italy. I figured, well, we got to stop at a port of entry. And I looked in our in our chart, figured out that the port of entry was Porto Torres, which you can see it if you're looking at Google uh, Earth, uh, the northern part of, uh, of Sardinia. And you can go around that hook right there and go in. <clears throat> so we pulled into this port, and it's not a very attractive port. It's uh, more industrial. And not great, but I wanted to uh, to clear in. So of course I go to the marina office. Then I they say no, they don't know anything about it at all. Uh, this is kind of our first taste of Italy, and uh, you know the Spanish were very on top of it. The Portuguese very on top of it. The Azores, uh, the Italians are a whole other thing, and, uh, and not to generalize, but after having four different experiences in four different places all over Italy, uh, it it is kind of uh, typical. Uh, we went in. Uh, they knew nothing about it. Also, English was an, uh, an issue, and obviously they're in Italy, and they should speak Italian. But uh, at the marina here, a lot of foreign boats, and uh, the marinas generally did not speak very good English. Uh, but we we got, communicated that I needed to talk to uh, Coast Guard or Customs. There were a boat coming from Spain. Uh, they said, no, 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 uh, you can't. So we went to the local police there, I did, and said, 
you know, we need the clear in. No, 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 you don't need that. Uh, you, you what came into the EU, you came from Spain. We're all big uh, part of the EU. They were very happy and um, very pleasant. Uh, no, no, you can't, you can't do that. So we, uh, we stayed there one night, but then we moved on to um, Castel Sardo, which is beautiful, beautiful place, a little further east. Lovely. Has a castle, exactly what it says, running up the hill. We had a fantastic dinner there. Uh, lovely, lovely port and, uh, you know, wonderful people there. Then, um, yeah, then from there, still not having cleared into Italy, but we are we were in the EU, we, uh, we moved on. And we did a kind of a drive-by Bonifacio there just to, to see the uh, city on the hill. I'm sure you're familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's just spectacular. It really is. And you didn't go in the little fjord then, huh? We did not. We did not. Because, again, we wanted to get to the Madalena Islands. My daughter's name is Madeline. And it would have been, you know, it was one of our, our, our target areas to get to. And, uh, and, we, and we did. We, we, we got there. So we, we drove by. We saw the sites of the precarious uh, houses over and wondering what exactly they did in their, how their sewer flowed. And didn't get too close to underneath the uh, the cliffs there. And, uh, then we then we moved on. And we we arrived uh, the Madalena Islands and to the actual town of Madalena. And it was it was uh, wonderful, spectacular. They are a beautiful series of islands, a group of islands uh, right off the coast of Sardinia. And uh, so we hung out there for a few days. Now, did you anchor? Because it looks like you went into an area and anchored for a while. Uh, we went into an area. Uh, we did not anchor there. Uh, we did that uh, the yeah right before we left to go across the mainland. We came around the corner. We stayed in a in a marina in the actual little town there, and then the next day we stayed there. And the following day, we we took off, went around all the group of islands, and came to uh, Cabrera. I think I remember Cabrera Island. It was called, and that's where we anchored. And we basically just anchored for the day. Uh, swam around it was it was really beautiful there and getting ready for what in essence was uh, the whisper of this but it was two overnights as it ended up getting to uh getting to the mainland and uh, anyway so you really uh, didn't spend that much time in sardinia then did you we did not i mean as it ended up we had we had the the worst thing you can have which is which is a schedule we had plans uh, we had made we had made a hotel reservations in in Siena, my wife had made the hotel reservations. Uh, let's let's clarify this. Uh, in in Siena, outside Siena, in Siena, and in Florence, we were doing land travel in Italy more than anything else. And so, our our boating adventures are are going to come to a going to come to an end pretty soon, right here, because uh, we we taking a boat for, from Sardinia. And we spent the time in the in the town of of La Maddalena. And it really is a, a picturesque town, and also we were able to see some festivals. They had a had a, a religious parade there, and we kind of woke up to it. We were just about to go to sleep, and they started moving uh, uh, the Virgin in a, on a giant uh, statue of Virgin, the Virgin on a on a giant uh, parade route in which the military was involved, and they had bands there and people singing, and it was uh, it was kind of surreal for us, and. and and then the the statue was carried onto a a ferry boat, and then that was going to go to the other islands in in the uh, the group of islands in the Madalenas. 
So we got to see that whole whole process, and the girls just loved it. I mean, it was really a lot of fun. Fireworks going off as the as the ferry boat was going off, and the priests all lined up, and it was uh, it was actually pretty cool. And it also was a good port for for laundry, uh, things like that. And and as you know, when you're traveling traveling around, uh, those little things like the food store and the laundry that we all tend to take for granted that. You know, the laundry's in the other room, food stores, a quick car ride away, can become an issue aboard the boat. And this town was about as perfect perfect as it gets for that. We were able to, uh, right off the boat, there was a store. Uh, you could see it from the boat. And then right next to it was this laundromat that was, it was perfect. So uh, we kind of uh, fell for the town in many ways. And the, the dining was great, too. You know, I spent... Oh, quite a while in Sardinia, and I did not ever visit that town. I'm looking at this, and I said, how could I not have gone here? It looks like a delightful town to visit, and I never went there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, as you know, lots and lots of places. But uh, and speaking of time, then we, we uh, took off from there and, and ended up going to uh, straight to where we were going to leave the boat for our Tuscan part of the trip, the... Uh, the northern part of Italy, the land trip we were going to take. So we went into um, uh, Vecchia, which is, you can see it on the on the Google Earth, a little above uh, Rome, a little way Rome, probably about maybe 50 miles north of Rome. And we uh, left the boat at the uh, the marina there, Tarano, which is a... Um, it's a big newer marina. Place. It's a big yeah. marina, isn't well, it? Well, you, you have the, the big port right there you can see in... In the main city, and then right be- yeah, right below it is where the the port is, uh, where the I'm sorry, where the marina is. And yeah, it's it's a it's a terrific marina, and it, it is a good size. It, we contacted them in advance that we were going to wanted to leave the boat for a week or so, and they were great about it. Uh, it was very reasonable for for the week, uh, relatively, to uh, leave the boat there, and and then we found that was the case. We we had heard that. The marinas are going to be full. Marinas are going to be full. Be careful. And the transit slips are, are taken up quickly. We didn't notice that at all, actually. And maybe that's the, the economy or for whatever reason, it was not an issue for us. Every place we came in, uh, there were uh, were slips available or spots along the, the shore there available. This was uh, the same case. I contacted them a week or two in advance. And they were, oh, that, that's fine. And and the the fee I think we ended up paying was something like four hundred euro for ten days, and up, which was very very reasonable considering what the other possibilities were. And so that how how did that compare to uh, Palma Mallorca? <laughs> well, let's put it this way: uh, Palma Mallorca. We stayed there for two nights, maybe or maybe three nights. Uh, that was the equivalent of the ten days. Uh, Mallorca was about 180 to 200 dollars a night. Uh, just crazy. I mean, just crazy. And and as you said before, the long walk all the way around to get to town, and it was not uh, very comfortable that way. This uh, Toronto, the uh, the first marina we went into in Italy, there uh, and where we left the boat for the Tuscan coast, was very. Uh, it was great, great from a boating standpoint. There were three marinas there, a little tiny little shops. Uh, little uh, marina shops, and they, uh, the the men that 
that work the docks were, were really terrific. And it was a very friendly place. It, they, they ended up looking after the boat while we were gone. They knew I was going to be gone for the whole time. And I, I kind of contracted with one guy just to kind of look at the boat, check in every once in a while. And everything was fine. I didn't have the boat connected to power there because we have our solar panels and they were topping off the batteries without any problem. I had, I had shut down the refrigeration. So there really wasn't, uh, the boat wasn't using much power just sitting there at the dock. Uh, great little shops for, for marine supplies. And I ended up buying a um, uh, passeral there, a uh, used one at this, uh, this guy's shop there. And uh, it, it was a great shop. It, was, it looked like a, just a flea market kind of shop. You walked inside, there was stuff on the floor, on the walls, everywhere. And, and so I'd point to something and we'd negotiate back and forth. And so I, I got this beautiful, beautiful teak passeral made of stainless teak, stretches out about eight and a half feet, folds in half, fits aboard the boat great, and uh, for about 100 euros. So did you have a passeral on your boat when you crossed the Atlantic? No. So I, so that's the thing Americans don't have because that's just not part of uh, yachting in America. So a passerelle is what you need to get off the back of your boat onto the stern or onto the onto the dock or onto the mole or key. Exactly. exactly. And we, we had a – when we got the Bermuda, they have planks. Most, mm-hmm. most of these marinas have planks. And in, in Bermuda, they had a plank that we use on the boat. We had, we had backed up. We had done the med mooring stern two in, in Bermuda. But – ended up being an issue because I have uh, solar panels on my davits on the back. So what ends up happening with any kind of tide at all, and in Bermuda the tide was uh, maybe four feet, something like that, but just enough that it ended up, uh, the plank was touching the solar panels very close. So you really couldn't go up underneath the solar panels to get to shore. You could when the tide, uh, when the boat was up, when there was high tide, uh, you could walk right off under the solar panels. But as the tide lowered and lowered, the plank uh, started going more and more vertical and to a point where you couldn't crawl back out. And it got just plain silly. So by the time we we got to the, to the Mediterranean, uh, I really decided I was going to go bow to. So I was going to do the med mooring bow to, which ended up being fine. The only problem with going bow to is obviously getting off the boat. And so I had a long plank that I had designed uh, which is, I'll, I'll put a picture on my website at some point. A lot of people have asked about it. But I, I basically just put a, a beam across uh, perpendicular to the bow of the boat that stuck out about two feet on one side. And I, then I put the plank with a swivel on that going to shore. So you just step on it, you walk down, and it would go back and forth. But a picture would do better on that explanation. But the problem with going bow two is that you, a lot of it, basically you have, you have a, a line that they have, have already uh, pre-laid, a laid line uh, on most of the marinas that is sitting underwater, uh, underneath the, where you're going to be, your spot. And your intention, other people call it slime line, but you, they hand it to you, you pull in, bow to, and the guy at the dock hands you a light line, and that's attached to the heavy line that's running along the bottom, leading out. And so you bring that down the side of your boat, not trying to catch all the fenders that are on the way down. And then uh, my daughter would do that. She'd hand it to me, and I'd haul it in. And then what you end up with is is the big heavy line that's actually going to hold the stern of the boat away from the dock. The problem becomes that my boat is so wide in the back of the boat that that point that you're connecting that line to is either on the port side or the starboard side. So the boat tends to drift 
uh, to, to line up uh, on that center point. And so you'll have the stern of the boat sticking way over into the, the other slip if it's not occupied, uh, one, one side or the other. So I ran, I tried to run a bridle across, which has actually worked out quite well. And so I'd have to bridle it up. I'd have to attach another line and then attach to uh, cleats on both sides and try to center that, that laid line. Uh, so that the boat would center up a little bit. But it, it really was a bit of a pain and difficult to do because you're trying to add pressure uh, on both sides to uh, keep the boat in that same spot so it doesn't drift. And so there's a lot of tension on that on that line. So it took us a little while. Like anything, it, it's getting the system down. It take, takes uh, several times. But by the end, we were getting very good at, at giving me enough slack on the other end because they just want you in. So they're, they're going to haul into the onto the bow lines just to try and tighten you up and go onto the next boat. So uh, it, it takes a little while. And then, of course, everyone's anxious to get off the boat, but I have to set up my little gizmo on the bow. But once everything was up and running, it, it worked out quite well. It, it, it kept the rudder away from the shore. I, I like bow, too. I really do. It added, added privacy for us in the cockpit. Uh, all around, I, I, I prefer it. Also, it's just easier to handle. When you're driving in, uh, I got pretty good at, at backing my boat up. Uh, at the end, I had to put it into the slings and and back up through the marina, very narrow spots, and and I felt totally comfortable. I I wouldn't have uh, felt that way six months ago, doing it. Uh, you get a lot of practice. It was good, but going bow to solves uh, uh, several issues that way. And uh, yeah, you can just peek the bow in. You can kind of squeeze your way in, but when your stern is is twelve, thirteen feet wide squeezing into some of these uh, spots between two boats becomes a big issue and uh, a lot more difficult. Yeah, yeah. So you put a passe on your boat, though. You So you finally ended up doing it, going stern in after a while. Then. Or, no, or no. You choose I, to... I, I rigged that up to the bow. Oh, um, really? Oh. Yeah, I rigged it up to the bow. When we got to Rome, uh, the, we stayed at the Porto Rome. When we, when we decided to go to land travel in Rome, the part, we moved the boat down from Triano to to uh, Porto Roma, and there another big marina, and they have a yard that's that's connected to it, uh, a, a working uh, yard to the uh, to the north. Okay, now hold on and, just a second because I have a couple questions on this first marina you went to in okay, yeah. Now it looks to me like they've got a haul out facility there. Did you explore the cost of the haul out there by chance? I I didn't. Okay, uh, I, I asked them about the uh, the winter. And it was all going to be about the same as Gaeta, where I ended up. Okay. And uh, I, that was probably the, the next yard, the next place that would have tempted me. Uh, the, Porto Romo was not um, a possible. It was it was a different vibe there. Uh, this Triana was was really, uh, really, really well run, and the people were. Uh, uh, yeah, easy to easy to work with. So it, yeah, I would have thought about that, but at that point, I'd already set up things with Gaeta and and obviously, and I think it was you, right? You had experience, right? Because yeah. I I had I was not even familiar with this marina, so that's good to know that that's a another possibility though. So mm-hmm. for future reference, so yeah, it, I may want to reach out to them and see if they can give me some information on the marina and see if uh, anybody there wants to do a podcast at some point in time because. Yeah, you know, I think I could get you a name. Uh, oh, there was okay. there, was, there was one guy I communicated with, and, and he was. This is this is the kind of thing that that 
we don't have a lot of here in the states anymore, at least on the East Coast, in terms of the marinas and and in you know in Maine, but really in in Martha's Vineyard and Nantucket, these islands. I mean, everything is monetized so much these days that that every time a boat is in the marina, it's got to be generating something. So if they can get you get work on your boat, they can do something on your boat, they can get supplies to your boat, they can do whatever. It's a lot of monetizing it and. And it wasn't always the case. And a lot of these yards, like when we get to we got to this Italy, the Triano, so we were there scheduled 10 days. But I got back, the weather wasn't really great. We were also kind of like delayed for a day or so. I went into the office. I said, you know, I'm going to need another day. Well, when are you thinking about leaving? I said, well, probably tomorrow, maybe the next day. He goes, oh, no problem. I said, well, I'll owe you another day. And he said, no, 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 please, please. You've, you've played enough, you know. And it, it's a different feeling. You know, mm-hmm. the, the idea was we like having you here, and 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 for that reason I'll go back, and for that reason I'll go back, and and I it never ceases to amaze me uh, when you know you go to Nantucket or someplace where you get the vibe that they really don't want you there. They just uh, want your money. That's it. They just want your money, and I have no desire whatsoever to go back. I mean, I, I wouldn't, but I wouldn't uh, for for several reasons. It would uh, just that attitude, and so we. We found the Mediterranean very pleasant that way. The uh, Italy was um, Italy was wonderful that way. I mean, some really terrific people. If you want to learn to sail, the first thing you need to do is learn the terminology. I've got an audio series of lessons, lessons for the ASA 101 exam, which is the first American Sailing Association certification. It's the basic keelboat certification. So I put together a series of audio lessons. I think they're over eight hours in length and maybe nine hours, eight to nine hours in length for the ASA exam number 101, which is the basic keelboat certification. Now, in addition to that, I also have audio lessons for the ASA 103 and the ASA 104. Now, if you want to do bareboat chartering, you need to get some sort of an international certification and the one that's most common in the United States is the American Sailing Association certification ASA 104 and that's the bareboat certification that you need to be able to charter a boat from most of the charter companies. Now I cannot teach you to sail in an audio course but I can prepare you for the written portion of the examination and I try to make these lessons interesting by peppering the lessons with personal anecdotes of my experiences while sailing over the last 30 years. So uh, if that's of interest to you, please go to the website, medsailor.com, check out the products that I have for sale, and if they're of interest to you, go ahead and buy them. If you download them through Gumroad, they will come as MP3 files. Now the last thing I want to encourage you to do is if you like these podcasts, Tell your friends about them, and if you have a chance, go into the iTunes podcast directory or whatever podcast directory you use and write a positive review. All right, let's get back to the interview.
Okay, so from how do you say Sivatavecchia. Okay. Don't ask me, but I yeah, I, I butchered it so many times that that is one of those words I could not start. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm looking at that and say, uh, how do you Sivatavecchia. Okay. I can see that now, but I couldn't get it when I was looking at the words. So So I had to keep saying to myself, Okay, Siva, 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 once I get myself started it'll be okay. But uh yeah, I had to I had to butcher that many times. So that from that you went down the next marina south then. Okay, and I see where you hopped in here. Okay. That's yep. that's right by Rome then, is that right? Exactly. Very close to Rome. Is that uh, Ostia? Is that the name of the town is Ostia, is that right? Ostia. No? Ostia, yeah. okay. Ostia and, and it's where it's the ancient port. Mm-hmm. So that was the Roman port uh that they um they put into service their fleet. And there are ruins there that are really spectacular I and mean, some of the best ruins we have seen period and and i've heard that the next best ruins are in turkey and so these uh they're undercovering it, it's that's what's kind of cool about this place i mean it's been it was discovered quite a while ago maybe 100 years ago but they haven't really started excavating it uh, basically the last 20 years and so you actually see the site uh them working on it right there 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 are workers doing uh doing various things under tarps and it's an active active archaeological dig and and kind of uh, enjoyable but it also gave us an insight into a little bit of uh, a little bit of the Italian uh, dealings with these sites there are just so many uh, of these sites in Italy and we were in 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 Siena we were in Florence uh, through Tuscany all around Rome all over Italy there are ruins everywhere and the preservation of those ruins is really, really difficult. It must be costing them a fortune or not because uh, in, in Ostia, you can see these signs are up, but there's no maintenance. There are weeds everywhere. The, the paths are going. Thousands of people walking through there paying 10 to 12 to 14 euros a day to get into these places, but you don't see them spending any money um, on the actual, on the actual uh, you know, preserving a lot of this stuff except for this Ostia where we saw the active places. But the other places we were in, in Italy, it was, it was really a little shocking. But then you realize just how many they have to preserve. It's, it's a plethora of, of riches for the country, and it must be extraordinarily difficult for them uh, to keep everything going. And I'm looking at it on Google Earth, and it looks like there's a lot of ruins just right outside of the marina there. Is that That's correct? That's right. That's exactly right. You can ride a bicycle right to them. So, uh, yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of fun to come into a modern, modern marina, and then going to look at the vestiges of a 2,000-year-old marina. And, uh, now, what about going up the river there to, to just to the north of the marina? Can you take a boat up there? Is that, uh, do boat, people leave boats up that river? They do. We actually ran into a – on my last day, I ran into a, a couple, uh, a family, uh, a Dutch family. And they were in the uh, Porto Roma, the marina there. And we, we spoke for quite a while and – and they were taking their boat from the marina that day, and they were taking it up the river, just around the corner. There are, there are a whole series of yards on their way up. And they were, they were leaving their boat there for the winter, uh, floating. So they weren't taking it out of the water. They were, they were uh, leaving it in the water, uh, tied up on the side of the river there. And it doesn't look like Puerto Roma really has any storage, land storage facilities. Is that right? No, it didn't seem like it did. Yeah. And there, there's, a, there's an area right behind but, um, yeah, it's along the river, I seem to remember, by, by taking a cab uh, down that road 
that there I could see a lot of masts along the river there. So maybe you can see that on Google Earth. Right, I can. Yeah, there's a lot of, and there's lots of pictures on Google Earth. You can get pictures of it as well. So yeah, okay, all right. So now you did some land-based travel from both these places, and where did you go inland? Talk, talk tell us about your adventures inland then. Oh, this is this is a whole another part of the trip. So we, when we went into Triano, um, the marina there, we rented the car. From there, we went to Siena. We stayed outside Siena. Uh, it is a really cool place. Uh, Four Towers, I think it was called. It was a, an old castle uh, that was in a family, and uh, we we stayed on the top of this place. And we had to bring our bag up by by this uh, this uh, pulley system that the woman had and and it's been in her family for about 200 years the castle and and she rents out the rooms in essence in this place and and so we had our bags in this in these giant baskets in the bottom of this courtyard that you walk into the center of the castle and the line goes all the way up to the top which is has to be 70 feet up we see this uh we just walk in and we see this little face at the top saying you'll put your bags in there so we put her bags in there and she turns this motor on and the, the steel basket goes rising right up uh, in the center of the courtyard. It's very cool. And we, we, we walked up. They didn't have elevators. So we walked up, and then our bags arrived at the window right there. And then she swings the, uh, the arm of the, uh, the thing in with the, with the big chain, uh, with the big uh, steel cage. And we take our bags out, and we take them to our room. It was, uh, <laughs> it was, it was really fun. And a uh, beautiful place. So we stayed there. Then we went into Siena. So did you rent a car to get here then? We did. Okay. We rented a car right from the right from the marina. We okay. had the car the entire time, so which was was good and bad. Obviously, when we got into the cities, especially Florence, uh, it would have been better not to have the car. But they have a pretty good system there. They they have a system of, of parking outside, very close. Uh, as, as these medieval cities are or, or Renaissance cities, they're pretty much around the center area, and so we could park right outside and then just walk up a ladder, walk up a, uh, walk up a um, staircase or walk up uh, um, to, to where they have elevators going up to the, to the main town. And uh, it was a great system. It worked out quite well in Florence. Siena, uh, similar. We could park a little outside and walk around inside. But again, it's a smaller town. It was very conducive to, to walking. And, and as you know, when you're, when you're in Europe and traveling this way, you do a lot of walking anyway. We were very, very well conditioned at this point. I mean, I lost almost 20 pounds this summer for various reasons. I think a lot had to do with just uh, just driving the boat and keeping things going and, and just walking everywhere. Uh, generally, we would we never rented a car until we got to Italy. Every time we go into some place, we were walking, walk, walk, walk. So um, Siena was, was terrific. Uh, it's a... We really thoroughly enjoyed Siena. It ended up being one of our favorite favorite places. The Palio Horse Race had gone on a couple weeks before that, and another one was going to go on two weeks after that. And if you're not familiar with that horse race, it's a very famous horse race of the neighborhoods. It's been going on for five, six hundred years, and each of the many neighborhoods in Siena uh, get together and, and they uh, sponsor a horse, and that horse runs in this race, and it's a bareback horse race around this uh, center of, of Siena, the, the plaza there. And it is, uh, I think it's called Campo, the plaza there. And it's, it's really exciting. And so we had seen a video of it prior to that, but you didn't get an idea of just how, how crazy this is until you, 
you get there and you realize they're running up and down this cobblestone, in essence, hill. The plaza is not flat. And uh, it, it's just, uh, it was just exciting. And it was a wonderful place to have dinner, sitting there in the plaza and, and looking at uh, people walking by. And it, it was just very, very pleasant. We had a wonderful, and it was our first exposure to, uh, to Italy for the, for the kids, really. Uh, and it, it, was, it was great. And from there... Yeah, now, was that, was that just a one-day drive from the marina up there then? Yes. Okay. Yeah, well, we had gone to that, that, the place we had stayed outside Siena, uh, the Four Towers. That was just, yeah, everything's very close at that point. Yeah, you get in a car, right? All of a sudden, you're traveling at, a, at these lightning speed of <laughs> 40 miles an hour. It was, it was shocking to me. And, uh, yeah, remember, I had been aboard the boat for a couple months at that point. The idea of uh, fast travel was, was bizarre. I mean, we had Moroccan travel, but... Camels don't go that fast, but uh, the yeah tra- traveling uh, really changed quickly the distances, and so I had to get used to the whole idea that that, that forty miles was going to take us a half hour, and it, and it did. It was it was it was easy to get around. Okay, okay. So Siena for how many days did you stay in Siena then? Stayed in, in Siena for two days, I think. Yeah. Okay. So so these horse races are they do they go on all summer long? I mean, is it like every Three or four days they have these horse races because I've no. seen. So it's only this particular time of year then. Yeah, it's only it's only twice as far as I, I remember. There there are only two races each year, and that's in the summer. So ones in June, ones in July, or or ones in July, ones in August. I okay. Think. So is it hard to get a hotel room during that time then? Um, no, because we weren't we weren't there during that exact time because in, they clean out. Really, they they the, the piazza where they do this is completely changed. I mean, they they put down. Uh, a foot, a foot and a half of dirt on the entire area. They build stands around it. I mean, it's a massive undertaking, massive undertaking. And they do that a week or two before uh, the race. And then they have to take it all apart again. And, and then they put it back together again a month later. So it's, it's, it's quite involved what they do there to do it. My wife had actually seen one of the horse races uh, 30 years ago when she was a student and she, she had gone over there as a student and, and she did the whole thing. She got there the night before, slept in the center section right there, and uh, and then uh, you know woke up the next day and got stayed in the center part of the uh, of the course, and then got right on the rail and watched it uh, the horse race. So that was exciting for my, for my wife to say, "Yeah, I stood right there, pointing to my daughters, and we walked over to the spot, and you know it, it was fun." All right, okay. So where was the next place you went after Siena? Then Florence. Uh. Florence, oh, well, it, it again, beautiful, beautiful uh, embarrassment of riches. Now, had, just, had you been, have have you been there before, or was this your first time? I had not been to Florence before. My wife had been to Florence before. I had not been to Florence, so it was new. So, tell us about your Florence diversion then. Well, Florence was great. I mean, the, the Medici and the uh, seeing the just the wealth. I mean, just the, the fabulous, fabulous wealth. And, and just how the city was run, how the city had evolved, uh, the families, uh, the infighting, the I mean, you think our politics is dirty. I mean, it's, it's nothing compared to that. I mean, the, the idea that not only did you lose your office, but uh, you, your family lost its house and you were banished from the town. Uh, it, I mean, they really uh, it, it was not good to be on the downside, but also how politics worked and. We got a little of that. It was good for my daughters to see and for us to see uh, the idea that that 
you can be the king or you can be uh, whatever you might be to Medici, but you still had to stay in power. And how they stayed in power was not always just by by force. It was there was a lot of conniving and and a lot of really really uh, behind the scenes stuff. And it was it was kind of exciting to see. So we had a couple good tour guides that kind of gave us the ins and outs of uh, the Medici and and how that evolved and how the town handled it. And it was uh, it was wonderful that way. And yeah, the artwork is is endless. Uh, as I said in one of my blog posts. Uh, you know, I saw more nudes there than I than I saw in the uh, the Balearics. But uh, it was uh, it, it is a it is an amazing yeah. If you haven't been to, to Florence and you love art and culture, it it really is extraordinary. All right, so, so from Florence, so we're now four days into your trip. Where did you go after that? So we um, yeah, so we we spent. Uh, yeah, from Florence we headed head back to the boat. So yeah, so we would have spent a, a day at the at the towers. We would have spent a, a couple days in in Siena, and then we in Florence we met up with I met up with Eric Wenberg in Florence, the uh, uh, crew member from our first leg. Remember he he had he had gone done the Bermuda, and then his family came over, and they were going to be in Florence too. So we hooked up there in in, in Florence with his family. You know his his wife and kids and, and my wife and kids and we stayed at the same hotel and so we spent a good I think five six days there doing that and so we we definitely saw a lot of Florence and and it was um yeah, it was great to have another family there and it, it was kind of fun that way and of course we were we were the people getting off the boat in our our kind of a boat attire and and going into Florence and and so my wife had to ramp up quite a bit to. Uh, to uh, go out to the dinners we went to there it was it was very different than being aboard the boat, and, uh, but uh, it was nice. It was very very pleasant. Had you packed a, a blazer or a sports coat when you <laughs> left? <laughs> yeah, I had a black coat uh, that I had yeah stuck in the line, folded up, and then I, I stuck in the suitcase. And I didn't end up having no. You know what? I did. I did. I did have to to use it for one dinner, and I did. Uh, Take it out, try to straighten it out as much best I could, not looking like the uh, sailor that I was. That's that's one of the things I never have formal wear. I mean, you know, if I had to go to a nice dinner, I, I don't think I even have a pair of long pants. Well, I do have a pair of long jeans on my boat, but uh, <laughs> you just don't you just don't think about what you might need to do if you have to go to a more of a formal type of a of an affair on a boat. You know? Yeah, I agree. I I, I don't prefer it. It, it. It's always an issue. Aboard my boat is the the dinner thing of wanting to wanting to go out someplace and and and, and my wife perceives the 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 boating as a little bit of camping, uh, which is hard you know hard to believe aboard the boat. But still, I I like the idea of of just kind of uh, roughing it a little bit. And uh, so yeah, it's a, it's always a it's always an issue. And uh, so I have to pack uh, at least a few decent things, uh, the jeans that are uh, younger than, than 17 years old. So, and uh, so I, I try to, to, to do that. So when you were staying, so now, now you're back to the Marina and then you've headed down the coast to, uh, to Rome, to, uh, to Ostia or mm-hmm. near Ostia. Did you go visit Rome from, is that the, where you visited Rome from? So you use that as a base of operations to go in and out of Rome. No, we we ended up just leaving the boat there. Okay, going into Rome. So we stayed we stayed at a convent. So, which which I highly recommend. It was it was fantastic. It was inexpensive. 
it was palatial in its way, and it was centrally located. It was perfect. And there's a little story connected to why why we ended up there because my wife was uh, my 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 daughter was doing a a video project um, that that for her for a um, for a fellowship program here through her high school, and part of that was that she was doing uh, different cultures and doing videos about different cultures and different things. So she, one of them was was uh, you know street musicians. One was was uh, religious, and so she uh, interviewed. Uh, a lot of different uh, religious uh, professionals, I should say, in the area around us. And, and we went into the city. We we're actually going to do a video on homeless. And so we went into uh, Grand Central. I took her into town. And, um, and I said, well, we're going to find some. We'll walk around. We'll, we'll do whatever we're going to do. And while she was uh, uh, using the restroom, there these two nuns walked by. And so it's really crowded in Grand Central. And so I, I I stopped the two nuns and I said, um, you know, my daughter's doing this project. I don't know if you'd be interested in being interviewed. And, and, and they said, no, no, not us, but our, 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 our mother, uh, superior would, and, and she's up in Connecticut. I said, oh, we're from Connecticut. And so we found out that this, this, uh, uh, where they were was, a, the order was in Connecticut. And so I told my daughter that and she's fine. She makes a phone call. Well, come to find out that the religious order that, this convent, the two nuns that I ran into were exactly the same order as the convent that we had made reservations for two days before. Mm. Not only that, it was the mother church in Rome is where we were staying, the convent, the mother convent, whatever they call it. And I just happened to run into these two nuns two days later of the same order. So it's one of these bizarre, bizarre things that happen in life. And so when we went to Rome, obviously we were going to stay in this place and at this point, my, my daughter was a bit of a rock star because she had done a video about the convent back in Connecticut. So it was they, uh, they were very friendly and, uh, and, and very it, – it's a hospitality order. So they have them all over the world, and it was, um, it was perfectly located in Rome. We could walk to the Vatican, and it was very reasonably priced. And uh, so that's where we stayed. So how did how did you find out about the convent? Did you? Ah, I, I was listening to a Rick Steves podcast. Okay, okay. And, and he had had a lady who I think has written a book about exactly that, about traveling. She's a, a single woman of a certain age traveling around the the, uh, uh, the world, and she found it secure and found it a good good way to travel. And I thought, huh, I'll look into that. So they have a sort of a website and and we made contact we figured this out we, we stayed there for half our time in rome and then we stayed at a more traditional hotel for a few days uh, after that right near the Colosseum, which ended up being not very nice very expensive but an elevator a tiny one tiny little elevator for you know, 200 rooms it was mm, crazy okay. we were on the eighth floor so i was walking up and down a lot but the so if we had to do it again, but we weren't too sure what this was going to be like. So we kind of hedged our bets and we got, we got two hotels in town, but the convent probably would have been perfect for the whole time. And, and they, they served us breakfast each morning. We had a key to the place. And so we'd come, we'd come back anytime uh, we wanted. There weren't any restrictions at all. It had terrific Wi-Fi, and it ended up being a very good experience that way. So is that how the, the convent makes most of its money is just by renting out rooms then? Yeah, I think they have all the way along. I think it's been a hospitality order for a long time, so they've probably been taking care of travelers for hundreds of years. 
Okay. I, I, I sensed that that was was uh, the the one nun that we spoke to, who's I think German, and and she, you know, they're, they're they're very shy. They're not they're not we're not having huge conversations. But uh, one of the things that that she said was, we've been in a hospitality order for quite a long time. But that said, uh, you'll find a lot of like the four towers that we stayed in. You'll find a lot of these families are now finding it difficult to maintain these properties. Um, so they they are renting out rooms or renting out floors or, and it's uh, you know it's a, a win win situation I think for everyone concerned. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to have to look into that next time I head over there. Yes, yeah, I've never stayed at a convent before, but uh, it sounds yeah, well, like they they it, they have them, and I know there's uh, there was one in Florence also, actually the, uh, a really terrific one, and this is the Order of Bergita. It was the convent of Bergita was the name uh, of the of the order, uh, the nuns' order. And they uh, they have two, I think, in Italy. They might have more, but these were the two I was familiar with, one in Florence. And we decided not to. We weren't too sure at that early stage. but uh, And my wife was, you know, she'd rather stay in a more typical hotel. But then we – so I kind of said, let's just try this in Rome. Can we please just for a few days? And we did and ended up being really, really terrific. And I think, uh, yeah, we'll take advantage of that in the future if we have the opportunity. They're all over the world. So, um, yeah. Okay. Good All right. Great. Yeah, and, and it didn't. It didn't really matter. I mean, I'm. I'm certainly a lapsed Catholic. I mean, I, last time I was Catholic was when I was 13. So, um, by by no means are we a religious family. And so, it, I, there there's no kind of that that vibe at all. I mean, you religion are, really is not not an issue no, no, no matter what. Is it right? No. Not yeah. not 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 in the least. It's it's you're you're a traveler. You mm-hmm. know, in the best sense of that that thing, and we're giving you hospitality. So. Okay. All right. Well, great. So were those the two main places you did your land travel? Well, three places that you did most of your land travel to. Yeah, that that was that was basically it. And then my wife and 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 girls left uh, at the end of that. At the end of Rome, we okay. we, we went back uh, to the boat. You know, consolidated all the bags, did that various things, and they went off to the airport. And the airport's and- pretty close to there because I know I've had to catch a flight out of that airport and. I ended up staying in Ostia because that was the closest place to the airport. Yep, very convenient. Very convenient. It's uh, 10 minutes away at the most, right over the river. Okay, so so who joined you at that point in time? So at that point, I had uh, two of my friends, two previous um, uh, stag trip guys, and some are uh, Keith and Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. And they, they flew in from New York, and they flew to Rome uh, the next day. after. So my wife took off. I, I quickly... You know, cleaning the boat up, trying to get everything presentable. But Keith and Jeffrey were coming in to, to really help me deliver the boat down to uh, Gaeta and to uh, give me a hand, uh, you know, cleaning things up and prepping things for, for a long stay ashore. So, yeah, they flew in the next day. And, and from there, as soon as they arrived, I, they flew in that morning. And I said, you know, you want to take it easy one night? No, let's, let's take off. So the weather was good. And... From there, uh, we took off and went immediately to, I want to say, Ischia is where we ended up. I don't know. And you know what? I should, I should have looked on my— You know what? I've, I've got the live map here, so let me tell you where you ended up. Yeah, tell me, tell me where we ended up <laughs> initially, right, right away. But, uh, but we, left, we left that night um, and went overnight. And, and we had done that a couple times before. This, these are uh, the two guys who— So, no, it looks to you, and I'm looking at your live map. Yep. We uh, went— we went straight to Ischia. Ischia, yeah, but it looks like on the live map there's a there's a section that's missing on the dots. <laughs> so you, you know must why? Have, why? Uh, okay, 
uh, the the iridium that we're using, the inReach system that we're using, uh-huh. uh, it, it needs to be turned on and turned off. And and it, it ran on batteries for a while until I hardwired it. I figured out a way of hardwiring it. But uh, I, I think that was a part in which it somehow turned off. And, uh, yeah, it's a little irritating because I really have the dots for almost all of the trip. I think it happened one other time. And uh, so it wasn't sending uh, positions. Uh, oh, okay. So it, it, it lost its uh, whatever for a little while. Um, yeah, no, we didn't sink for a little while or go submarine. Uh, everything. Uh, so, yeah, we went into Ischia, and we, we were going to go into the actual port of Ischia there. And uh, there was no room in the inn. And that was really the very first time uh, that we ran into that, where we could not get in. And it was, it was very tight, and it, it wasn't uh, – there, there were facilities, but there were, it was just – pack cheek to jowl right there so we weren't going to go uh staying there we were thinking about anchoring there's no place to do there so they said go around the corner so we went to the 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 castle the Ischia castle which was around the corner a little further down the coast right there and that's where we dragged for the very first time where the anchor wouldn't stick because of grass and we moved over to another spot hooked up just fine and then went ashore there what a cool town what a cool thing It, it it had and this started really an idyllic week of cruising on, aboard the boat because it, it, um, the weather was perfect. Uh, the ports we went into were exactly how you – if you cro- close your eyes and think about uh, just uh, cruising in the Mediterranean, this would be kind of what it would be like. It was um, – there's a castle up on this, this uh, massive hill uh, island there, and it's connected by a causeway to the town. And the island itself was a uh, where the where the castle was during during some invasions. Uh, they kept thousands, tens of thousands of people piled into this place and lived for years and years under a siege. And 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 right now it's still in a family. One family owns that that island, but they've they've opened it up and they've uh, there there's research center there. Uh, there's it, it. They had the bizarre thing of 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 looking up the hill or walking up the hill and there is a chapel lovely chapel right there that uh, inside the chapel there are all these uh, science equipment they were doing uh, doing work on uh, with x-ray machines on mummies so so there's sarcophagi I guess you call it sarcophaguses in the uh, uh, sitting there with these x-ray machines all around them inside what was probably a 13th century 14th century chapel so, so uh, I'm, I'm looking at your track. So you actually anchored just on the other side. That's exactly where I anchored when I was over there too. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that's a good spot, a nice spot right there. And uh, yeah, came to shore. Um, again, the dinghy issue uh, was not an issue. It made it very easy for uh, always, always sort of a spot to go. And it's not always obvious. And in the U.S., you have dinghy docks everywhere. And um, uh, here. The, the, you just where are you going to put you know pull the uh, the dinghy up? It worked just fine. Uh, a little more la- laissez-faire attitude towards that worked out well. So yeah, we went up the the hill there, had a dinner, a nice restaurant there. Keith Jeffrey and I, uh, beautiful panoramic uh, views, uh, really a lovely place, and and then from there, took off, went down south around the uh, around the island, and. Looks Heading. like you're sailing because I see some tacks in here. Is that uh, right? We were indeed we were sailing. It was it was uh, one of the 
one of the great sail days of, of probably the whole time in Mediterranean. Wind was blowing uh, perfectly. So, we, yeah, we decided, listen, the distances are, are very short. After, after crossing thousands of miles, uh, these, these little, little puddle jumps of uh, 20 or 30 miles are, are really fun because you, you kind of have all day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we took off early in the morning or took off in the morning and we, we just start, started sailing. We said, well, let's not stop. We were having a nice time. So we went out a little ways and then, and then, and played the angle just right. So we could just tack, tack straight into, uh, uh, to San Angelo. And, uh, that, that was, it was probably our favorite port. Now is, is this where you anchored overnight then? Yes. So this is on the south side of Ischia then, right? It is. It's on the south side of uh, Ischia. Okay, and I haven't been there, so it looks like there's a lot of other boats anchored in the same area in in this picture I'm looking at. So it looks like a pretty popular little anchorage then. It is. It is. And you you have that option of the other side too, but obviously you don't see very many boats on the other side. So so that is, yeah, that is absolutely where we we ended up. And um, it it was, uh, again, it's a tiny, tiny little port on the inside, really barely any room. And that also was, was packed, but not very big boats. I mean, it's generally a small boat, um, marina area and the, um, the coast guards right there at the, at the, the port you can see on the, on the, uh, on the Google earth, uh, there, a little spot right there. And that's, you just leave your dinghy there along the, the beach. And again, a great, a great place for, for restaurants right along the water, a beautiful view of the town at night. It's a little more upscale, than, than uh, the, uh, uh, the the castle, Ischia Castle town, and but but Ischia as an island is generally um, as as opposed to Capri, as it was explained to us when we were there. Uh, Ischia is more of a vacation spot for Italians, uh, as opposed to Capri, which has a lot more of a you know status symbol kind of thing, uh, and 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 we we did find that out. I mean, we did not hear English at all. When we were we were in San Angelo and in, in, in the town uh, and in uh, Ischia, really we did not hear English very much. And we went to a spa around the corner that was uh, was really really cool, and uh, it, it had you know, caves, it had, it had hot springs, and well, that's and, what Ischia is known for is its hot springs. It, and they're they're terrific. You, so you, where where were the hot springs? Were they right where you anchored near where you anchored? No, they were around the corner. It was called Poseidon Spa. Okay, and, and it was it was so. If you're looking on Google Earth and on Ischia, go around the uh, keep going west, and, and you go around the corner right there and tuck right in right there. That's where where the Poseidon Spa was, and and it has various different pools of uh, different temperatures. So you can you can go in the uh, you know peel your skin pool, or you can go into the uh, the the bath water warm pool and and they would put it has a temperatures listed outside and each one kind of has a theme and it, it, it was fun i mean it was a really cool a little grotto cave that you went into now you they, didn't you didn't sail there because i don't no. see your track going there so you must have taken a taxi around the corner we will sail we will sail next time because when we got there we saw a bunch of boats anchored off there and we go ah oh, damn we could have you know we could have sailed around but i wasn't too sure about what what the situation was there we couldn't kind of get any any information from anyone about anchoring off of there. There are a lot of rocks, and, and I, I, you know, went into uh, to the charts, looked really carefully. I wasn't sure about how the holding was, and I kind of got scared off on on uh, dragging in the grass of the, the previous place. So, so we played it safe. I just left the boat where it was. It was very content uh, there, 
and so we took a taxi around. Okay. To, it's very close. I mean, it was, it was, right. It was, I, I'm looking at it on Google Earth, and there's pictures of people floating in the hot tubs. And so it's just that little bay, and there are, there are a bunch of boats anchored in there. Yeah, yeah. So, so next, next time we'll do that. I mean, next summer I'm planning on going back to Ischia and uh, with a family, and I think that's high, high on the list. I think that's where we'll be going the first few days, definitely to Ischia and working our way around. But uh, yeah, a, a pretty magical, a pretty magical place. It was really terrific. Yeah, I I've been to Iski two or three times, but I never made it around the south side like you did. Yeah. So okay. Yeah, enjoyed it. I, I highly recommend it. I mean, I'm sure uh, the other spots uh, were terrific too. It it's like one of those islands that's um, not overrun by um, by 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 the wealth. You know that that does change the character of islands. I think a lot of people are saying that's what's happening at Capri, a lot of the development area around. Um, that character you get on some of these towns, I'm sure you're familiar with, of of just kind of uh, you know a few restaurants, some little low low key shops, people walking around just having a wonderful enjoyable time is different from from the the, the more high tension. Uh, as I would say, Upper East Side of, of New York aspects of, of vacation places uh, or destinations. And um, I, I, I know which one I prefer. I mean, I want to go on vacation and relax, or I want to be someplace where I, I don't have to put on a show. So that's, um, yeah, anyway, it, 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 Ischia is, is high on our list. Okay. So from there, you had continue west a little ways then. Yes, we went to Vento Tene. Uh, the island there, or and um, that was or Ponzi. I'm trying to again. No, it looks like Vento Tene. Okay, yep. so that's where you Vento Tene. There's a we anchored off the town there, mm-hmm. and <laughs> that was great. That harbor, uh, it was not constructed out into the water as most uh, ports are. Uh, that harbor was carved, carved out, and and I think um, uh, way back when. Uh, one of the, the the Roman, I think it was one of. Um, I'm trying to think who actually did it. And the name's slipping through my head right now. But he actually had it it carved out of of the uh, the rock right there. So, uh, and there are also uh, galley ports there, galley storage rooms that you can actually see that are now kind of shops now. But you can see where it was just 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 cut out of the rock face. And they just made this uh, little little port in there. So it's very, very small. You really can't, I couldn't really bring my boat in there. So I just anchored right off, took the dinghy in, and we're looking for a place to, to stay and uh, to bring the dinghy in, go to one side and go to the other side. And, and then there's a the guy just kind of waving to us. So we zip over and ahead of us is an Italian, uh, an Italian dinghy. Uh, looking for a spot too. So he pulls up and he, he looks and goes, hello, hello. I say, hello. And as soon as we speak English, he's, oh, hello, hello. Yes, I thought you were American. You're from an American boat. Yes, yes. He's all very excited. He's very, a very older guy and looked like he was maybe close to 80 or so. And he's just going on and on, American, American. And, and the Italian, <laughs> Italian and the dinghy are trying to, trying to get their dinghy to shore. And he's grabbing ours. He's leading us ashore. He's yak, yak, yakking to us. And <laughs> And they're they're talking. Oh, what about us? We were here first. He said. And he said, "Yes, but they're Americans. They saved us." <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was uh, it was a proud moment to be an American. You, know, you don't always get those uh, with the situation of the world these days. But uh, it was uh, it was nice. It was it was a nice feeling. Obviously, this is an, a much older gentleman who remembers the dark days of Italy during World War II. So he um, 
uh, he set up our dinghies, set the whole thing up and told us where we should go and tied up. And he said, everything would be safe with your dinghy. No problems. Don't worry about that. So then we went to town. We ate, ate some, uh, you know, another restaurant. Then we came back and we realized he owned the restaurant that was above. Oh, and, and he and his sons were all there and everything like that. And we, we kind of blissfully just kind of went off looking at the town and, and ate someplace else where we should have eaten there. But he was, um, it was just very, and we came back. Oh no, no, please. And we sat down, had a little coffee. It's, it's just a very pleasant kind of environment. So uh, I owe him one and, and uh, we will make up for that next summer. So now Jack Andrews went there when he chartered a boat and we interviewed him for the podcast, he talks about going into that uh, Harbor that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And he said he had to be towed in. You had to be towed into that Harbor. I don't doubt it. Because, I don't doubt it because it is so tight to get in there. And yeah, uh, especially, especially that when you, you go in and you turn directly to, to starboard to the right, mm-hmm. the, the, the boats are lined up yeah, perpendicular and uh, there's not much room in front of them to where the uh, to, to where the um, yeah the, it, it, yeah it wouldn't wouldn't be good. You'd have to tie across uh, to the wharf on the other side, and uh, and several boats did do that. So yeah, it's it's very very tight, but it was made for uh, Roman galleys. There probably weren't um, uh, weren't mega ships. So okay, all right. So you spent one night there. We spent one night there. Yes, okay. we did. It was. Uh, it was it was terrific. That was a really wonderful. Hey, Franz, I'm running out of time here. Oh no! <laughs> uh, sorry, I have to pick up my daughter. My phone's been buzzing, buzzing like crazy. All right, and I have to I have to pick her we're, up right we're, now. We're close sorry. to the end of the trip. We'll come back and do uh, another maybe 15. <laughs> it's going to go on another half hour, 45 minutes. So we'll do one more after this. Then, okay? All right, all right. That that's great. I'm sorry about that, Franz. Listen, it's great. Great I, talking. I'm, to you. I'm asking you too many details. I know that's the problem. But to go no, pick up your daughter. That, that's okay. I'm going to go get my girl, and uh, yeah, let's let's hook up again. And uh, and thanks so much. All right. Thanks for doing this. You know what? I didn't say that last time, but uh, and I'll and I'll say it on the future one. But but thanks for you doing this because uh, you're really uh, you're, you're helping a lot of people and talking to Mark. It was just it was it was cool because you could see that there there's a definite hunger out there for this kind of knowledge and just the vicariously living uh, through what other people are doing sometimes is, is really enjoyable. I did that for many, many years before I did this. Oh, thanks a lot, Dan. I appreciate the comments and it's nice to know people enjoy it. That really is. Absolutely. All right, right, Franz. Take care. Talk to you later. All right. I'm just going to make this the end of this podcast. And if you have any comments, drop me an email, Franz at medsailor.com. I'm going to tack this on to the last two episodes with Dan and, and (laughs) I don't know when we'll get a chance to, to get back together again. But we will do one more, at least one more uh, interview with Dan. And everybody enjoys sharing these stories with each other. So, again, comments, drop me an email. I guess that's it. All right. Get out there and go sailing. Joe, do you have something to tell me? No, I... I don't think so. I just got off the telephone with Bill Rutherford. Princeton can use a guy like Joe. What? Princeton can use a guy like Joe. His exact words. That's unbelievable. You're as good as in. I knew you could do it. Haven't I been telling you every once in a while, you just got to say, what the heck? Take some chances. You are so right. You made me very proud.
I was just thinking where we might be 10 years from now, you know? <laughs> The introduction and exit quotes for this podcast were from the movie Risky Business, released in 1983 and written by Paul Brickman. The dialogue, which was used in order, were played by Curtis Armstrong, who in the movie played the character Miles Dalby, Nicholas Pryor, who in the movie played Joel's father, Mr. Goodson, and Tom Cruise, who was the main character who played the character of Joel Goodson.